0: You're listening to episode 130 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is Living as a Temple for the Lord, based on Numbers 9, 15 through 23. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I have a background in theology and a love for travel. Having visited nine different countries and served in five congregations, I wanted to create an environment that discusses and encourages the overlap of my two favorite things, the Lord and travel. And if you have a passion for these things, or wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our daily adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is Living as a Temple for the Lord, based on Numbers 9, verses 15 through 23. In this story, we're going to be looking at when the Israelites followed the pillar of cloud and smoke through the wilderness, a literal sign and direction as to where they were meant to be heading, to stop and stay or to go. And many of us are looking for a literal sign that gives us clear direction as to where God wants our life to go. And for some of us, that goes so far as where we should travel, how we should travel, when we should travel, and when we're on vacation, should this be what we do or should we do these 10 other things. And we're going to be unpacking that a little bit. But first, I want to talk about a time I really wrestled with a decision. One of the many scenarios when I think a lot of us are looking for a sign from God. I was a recent graduate from college, and I was trying to decide where I should go next. I had two offers on the table from different Christian organizations, one a church in Iowa and one a school in New Jersey. And I could have gone to either of them, or I could've gone and traveled the world for a year. That was my first inclination. And it has always been my inclination, but God had some other things in store. For instance, right about the time that I was supposed to be making this decision, I started dating again, and not just anyone, someone I had dated in college, and had our relationship been the most healthy then? No. But we'd changed a lot in four years, matured drastically. God had worked some incredible life skills into both of us. And that man is now my husband. Now, there could have been other individuals that I would have met had I gone to New Jersey. But by moving to Iowa, our long-distance relationship was only three hours apart instead of 24 plus. It made it a little bit more realistic to invest in the relationship that God had given me at that point in time. Now, do I believe that in every scenario, do we need to give up our dreams or our ambitions to please other people? No. And was my boyfriend, now husband, asking that of me? Certainly not. He was there to support me in any decision. But I knew that traveling the world, being on different time schedules, it would have made investing in that relationship really hard. So I was sitting there pondering which is the best way to go and really struggling because I wasn't super thrilled about any choice that I had. There were pros and cons for both of them, but I could sure make that con list go incredibly long in all fronts. And so I was looking for a sign. I remember one night where I flipped coins, trying to decide between places, and then one of my professors told me, well, did you flip the coin multiple times? If it lands heads or tails once, that's great, but if it repeatedly lands on a certain head or tail, then it's actually evident that the Spirit is directing you in a certain direction. So I tried again, and what do you know? It was 50-50 every single time. And what I think God was saying is that is that there was no right or wrong answer, that he would use me no matter where I was going. But... Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's jump to Numbers chapter 9 and take a look at this story. But before we do that, I do want to recap for you just a little bit about what's been going on in this story. The Israelites have been freed from Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, and now they are wandering in the wilderness. Recently, the Lord instructed them to build a tabernacle. Or in other words, a large tent with incredibly specific dimensions, colors, fabrics, and materials that would be like a church, a dwelling place for the Lord. And the tabernacle was one of the many things that they would transport with them from destination to destination, just like the Ark of the Covenant. But how they knew when to go, where to go, all of it, when the Lord appeared to them, he appeared to them by a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. And sometimes the pillar would rest over the tabernacle for days on, at end, and so the people would camp out there for very extended periods of time. Sometimes it could be days, weeks, months, or even years. But when it, it moved, they moved, and that required a lot of trust. Sometimes when we're so desperate for a sign from God, we might look at this story and think, oh, how easy their life must have been. Maybe. But I think it also required a lot of trust. They knew that their end destination was the promised land. But if they took any time to talk with the locals, if they looked at any map, there was clearly a much more direct way to get there but the lord had promised it to them at the right time and when he first led them there they doubted the lord they didn't believe that they could win it from the giants so the lord forced them to wander for 40 years so that that oldest generation would never get to see the promised land and so they camped when the lord stopped they moved When the Lord moved, and the fact that there was a pillar of fire meant sometimes that meant walking through the night. But the whole time that they walked and wandered, their feet never swelled up, and the Lord always provided what they needed. As I stopped to look at this story, I thought, what a simple life they have. How does this even apply to us as travelers today? We aren't wandering the world with pillars of fire and smoke guiding us everywhere. And so many people are desperately looking for signs, but yet they don't think that they have them, that the kind of sign that they're hoping for isn't happening. When they flip the coin, it lands lands heads and tails 50-50, and the Lord is letting them make their own decision to use the free will given them to let them choose any path. So, I took a little bit deeper dive on this, and this pillar was God manifesting himself for the people. And there's a fancy word for that, theophanies, when the Lord manifests for us. And we see this happen time and time again, especially back in Genesis, where they heard Jesus walking in the garden when... He appeared to Abraham and told them that he would have a son. There's many examples of this. But what does that actually look like today? And this brought my attention to another Bible passage, this one being in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 30. And this is where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Right after telling the people that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He, he tells the disciples that right now you have him. He's here on earth and he's with them. But when he leaves, he will ask the Father to send us a helper. The helper being the Holy Spirit. And it will even come with a spirit of truth. One the world cannot receive, but believers can receive. And he promises that we will not be orphans on this earth, but we will be children of God. And then, in verse 21, he tells us that those who keep his commands and love him will be loved by the Father, and Jesus will love them and manifest to them. Now, manifestation, it's a weird word, and honestly, I've seen our culture... Use it super poorly. Lately, there's been this trend I will manifest things in my life because it's what I think about. And while there's some truth in that, because God gives us free will and what we think on is what literally Scripture says, what we think on becomes our words and our actions, but many people are treating it as a prosperity gospel. I'm going to manifest a certain kind of income, I'm going to manifest certain things in my life, and the God that they're worshiping is themselves. Yes, God wants us to catch our sinful thoughts and think about things that are worshipful of him, and to be honest with him, when we need a pay raise, when we need anything in our life. But when we think that this manifestation in our life comes from ourselves, that is not what the Bible talks about. It talks about God being present and manifesting for us because we love him and follow his commands. So then this made me wonder, what does it actually look like for God to manifest in our lives? And that led me to two different Bible verses. The first one being in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 16 and 17, which reads, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple because you are a temple because you are a place of dwelling of the Lord the holy spirit is inside of you because you love God and follow his commands his spirit dwells within you, you are the dwelling place. Which, the fact that the Lord is dwelling in you means I need to backtrack a little bit. Back to Numbers chapter 9. During this time period, the people were used to believing that gods dwelled in certain territories. Therefore, God, the Heavenly Father, the God, the creator of the universe, it made sense with their logic to understand that God lived inside of a tabernacle or temple or tent that went with them. Only certain people, certain prophets and priests were allowed to go inside the tabernacle because that was a very close and intimate relationship with the Lord and people feared that they would die if they looked upon God's face, which scripture says is true. But, fast forward to when Jesus is walking on this earth. And he says that he will destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. The people are thinking, this temple where we go to worship, how will you destroy it and rebuild it in three days? It's taken years to build. But Jesus was talking about himself. That he would be the sacrifice that would die and rise again in three days and he's upon the cross. The Lord had always instructed to protect the people that where the actual altar was, so picture your congregation in the altar at the front, there was like a six foot thick curtain, approximately, protecting the altar from the people, um, protecting God from seeing your sins. It was a big representation, but when Jesus died, that curtain tore in two. There was an earthquake and that curtain tore. And thereby signifying to the people that God is no longer just in this temple, He is everywhere on this earth. And then Jesus says here that He will manifest and He will send His Holy Spirit. And that means that you can be a temple. That wherever you go, God goes with you. I mean, God is literally everywhere. But when you go out and talk and interact with people, you are a temple. You are a place where you get to shine God's light. Where the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. Where he is pointing you just like a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. Where to go, what to say, what to do. And when we're in close relationship with God, we get to rely on that. But this isn't the only verse... That talks about what it looks like for Christ to manifest among us. The other Bible verse is in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 which says, In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This means that you being a dwelling place for the Spirit is not just you on your own. And it also means that you are not stagnant. It means that the Spirit is constantly working on you as he is working on all other believers. And together you're building a temple, a place for the Lord. Together you make that tabernacle, that church. And this is where church is not a building, it is people. God dwelling in us is not just this stagnant thing. It changes us constantly. And if you are looking for a sign, if you're looking for direction, God may give you the exact same answer he gave me, which is he'll use you in any scenario. But he can also be guiding you on how to best serve him in whatever scenario you're in because he is dwelling inside of you. And that's super exciting. You don't have to follow a tabernacle around so that you feel like you can stay close to God because he's already with you. This changes how we travel because we know that When we go worship with Christians around the world, we're participating in God's church. We're participating in his holy temple around the world. This changes how we travel because we know that how we live in all scenarios is a reflection of our faith and our relationship with God and that we don't want to taint his temple. We don't want to take travel and turn it into this thing that just because no one's watching, I can do whatever. Because the Spirit's within us, and as such, we live in love and in respect to God. It changes how we travel, and I know there's so many other points that could be added to this, but I find this very exciting We go from looking for signs and having to trust and stick super close to something physical to knowing he's within us and that he manifests himself for us because we're his temple. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for manifesting yourself among us, for being our guide and our leader for showing us love and mercy and compassion, what that looks like. Lord, I want to lift up these Christian travelers and I ask that you help them to see your direction today, tomorrow, in all of their adventures. And Lord, please help us to shine your light wherever we go. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Christian Travelers, I do have one other point in question, but before I get to that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources. If you are a ministry leader, one of the big things we want to share with you right now is that we have a ministry kit. It comes with all the activity supplies, devotions, and things you need to plan a trip execute a trip, and come home so that your participants know that they are a dwelling place for the Lord and that they can rest in God's presence, especially in the turmoils of today's world. Additionally, if you're a solo traveler and you're looking for resources to help you travel with God in mind, we do have awesome travel devotionals and we're working on planning our next trip a group trip and an opportunity for you to gather with this holy temple from around the world as you explore God's creation. But my final thought and question is this. Have you been acting as a temple of the Lord? Have you been acting as a temple of the Lord? This is a great joy and a great responsibility. Living in a way that honors the Lord in everything you do. Knowing that he has given you a spirit of truth. Something that the world will reject. But as Christians, we are to accept. And sometimes... That spirit of truth stings. It hurts because we want to love everyone how the world says we're supposed to. But Christ loved in radical ways. He showed compassion on people that others neglected. He didn't fit in a uniform box, and the Pharisees did not like that. He's a great example of what being a temple for the Lord looks like. And as you travel, as you journey to the grocery store, on vacation, around the world, how are you going to be a temple for the Lord? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast I just want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe, share this podcast with a friend, and head to our website to subscribe to our newsletter. Then you can get the podcast directly into your inbox every single week. I am so thankful that you tune into our podcast and continue to support us. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.